Would you like a little more foreplay in your life? I mean, specifically, brain foreplay. Well then, tune in to the most dynamic host, Dr. Rick Perea, performance psychologist to professional athletes, the stars, and everyday people. No failure is final, and no topic is off limits. It's time to get real and get your checkup from the neck up. Good morning, people. Thank you for joining us here at Think One For You. Um, otherwise known as Brain Foreplay or Brain for Play. Uh, my guest here is Chris Brewer, the one and only Chris Brewer, former Denver Broncos, Chicago Bear running back, um, the best running back I ever played against. Um, but but I did tackle you in the open field, and that's another topic for another day. But but um, we're here at Brain Foreplay. This is our Mental Monday. And it's your checkup from the neck up. Every week we come at you and we bring a checkup from the neck up. And what that means is, as a psychologist, I'm Dr. Rick Perea, psychologist to pro athletes, the stars, and everyday people. Um, we, we want you to check up from the neck up. We want you to think about how you can get better every day from looking within looking at decision-making every day and un helping yourself understand, am I being the best version of myself? And I'm here to tell you people that starts from the neck up. That's why we call it the checkup from the neck up. Today we have a really interesting topic. We're gonna talk about classism, racism in sports, and a term that very few people use, train. Okay and that is ethnocentrism. And ethnocentrism is a term we use in psychology to explain cultural norms and practices, and we're centric to our own viewpoint. And we're centric to our own viewpoint, we have those preferences. And oftentimes people call certain behaviors racist when they're not. They're not racist, they're ethnocentric. And so the first qualifier I want to put out there today is you and I, Chris Brewer, Dr. Rick Perea, we admit, we raise our hand right now, I am ethnocentric, okay? So I'm not calling you anything that I'm not. Here's our postulation for the day. We're all ethnocentric, but the question becomes, are you willing to look at that within yourself and say, how can I get better? How can I learn different cultures? How can I learn different tendencies from different ethnicities, races, cultures, so that we can bridge the gap of people who are disconnected in our society? And there are too many people disconnected in our society today, Chris Brewer, and I'm gonna tell you something. I was on a radio show last night, we talked about suicide. It's too prevalent among our adolescents. It's, it's an epidemic in our society, and it's because people are disconnected. And so today our topic about ethnocentrism, racism, and classism in sports will illuminate and highlight experiences that you've experienced as a former NFL running back, a person, a father, a husband, me as a former player, also a psychologist in the NFL, which I think is important to understand people because I'm gonna say something right now. On any NFL team, the psychologist, the mental skills coach, that person knows more about the team than anybody under the roof of the building. More than the GM, the EVP, executive vice president, head coach, anyone. Because the players tell him or her more than they tell anybody. Chris Brewer, tell us a little bit about what you got going right now in your life. Again, a great husband, great father, great former football player. We were actually high school teammates at the George Washington here in Denver, Colorado. And one of the one of the, just the finest people that I know, and he's a regular here on, on Brain Foreplay. Tell us about what's going on in your life right now, brother. Well, first of all, let me start with this, because you bring this up a lot, that you tackled me in the open field. I, I did. did Come on, brother. Okay, you, okay. Let's say you did. No, I, and I know you did because I kind of remember it. All right, because I'm very rarely tackled. They didn't. They didn't call me Big Train 
<laughs> you know, for no reason. I carried a lot. But we're going to have to replay that. You yeah. ready? Because, you know, okay. after the show, outside, brother. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Outside. Let's, okay. See, what we, let's see. Let's see. Let's replay that one. Because okay. I got to get some payback. <laughs> All right. But, uh, but, but truly, you know, you talk about me, you know, and you talk about you to uh, psychologists to everyday people. I am everyday people. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I, 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 I'm honored the fact that we're still friends and that, and that we have our relationship and that only God could have put this together because, no, you know, you, brother. Four, 40 years ago, I'd have never thought <laughs> that you would have been a psychologist. Right. <laughs> and, and I'm still standing here, you know, because there's just there's just so much. You know, you you call me a great father. You've done that before, and I'm honored to be called a great father, a great husband. I am so honored. But it's I'm going to tell you, and it parts of me just cringes whenever you say that, mm. because it's only by the grace of God. You okay. know, all I yeah. really know is that I love my children and I love my wife. That's yeah. all that I know. Mm. But I know it's by the grace of God because I've not always been that great husband. Sure. And so, you know, and, and, and as we evolve to become who we are, I am thankful for the fact that my my children honor me and that they love me. All all eight of them. All eight of them. <laughs> or nine, depending Man, on who you, you are. You and Philip Rivers. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and Philip. Am I chasing him or he's chasing me? He's chasing me because right. I'm done. I don't know. I think he's still got a ways to go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then my, my oldest son just had a, uh, his firstborn son. And named him after me, or us. He's yeah. Christopher Jace Brewer the Third, and that is like one of the greatest honors ever. And I, I know that's only by the grace of God. So I'm, I mean, but I'm glad to be sitting here talking to you uh, from a black man's perspective. Sure. You know, as far as racism, mm -hmm. I'm gonna try it again. Ethnocentrism. Oh, awesome. Got it. How? Yeah. And um, and and classism. Yeah. And. I've told you. I've told you plenty of times. We have, as we have spoken before. Mm -hmm. I'm born guilty. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if anyone really understands what I'm trying to say here. But as a black man, I'm born guilty. Mm -hmm. uh, I've told you about the uh, ratification of the Thirteenth Amendment that set right. all uh, slaves free. Mm -hmm. it, the the uh, there's an amendment to that. If if a slave committed a crime. He can be brought back into servitude. Okay, mm -hmm. that's and that's part of it. And I didn't say. Now I don't think you heard me. I didn't say if he committed murder. Right. I didn't say you if he committed a crime. I didn't say if he did an assault. I said if he committed a crime. Mm -hmm. So you know, I don't know what they were, you know, what kind of candy they had back in there. But if they had a candy bar, if you stole a candy bar, <laughs> if you stole salt water taffy, yeah. and you were convicted. You can go back into servitude and, 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 and the criminology of who we are and Birth of a Nation. There was a movie, Birth of a Nation, back in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Start criminalizing uh, African-Americans and, and all people, actually all people of color, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. so there was a, there, there, there's a hint of when the same... I'm, I'm thinking about what the coach for the Redskins said, uh, the the offensive coordinator, uh, and I played against him uh, in college. Oh, uh, Rivera. Rivera. Yeah. I don't know why. And he said, "Well, you know what what happened at the Capitol? This is his word. Was a dust up." Oh, you're thinking of not not Coach Rivera. No, you're, thinking, you're thinking of uh, I played. He was the head coach of the Jacksonville Del Rio. Del, Del Rio. Coach Jack Del Rio. Jack Del Rio. Yeah. yeah. yeah don't put Rivera. He didn't yeah, say sorry. that. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie's, and, uh, Ronnie's my boy. Yeah, yeah, played against him too. Yeah, uh, one SC, one was at SC, and one was at uh, Cal. the University of Arizona. Yeah, one was at Cal. So I played against him all those four years in college, and he called the Capitol uh, insurrection a dust up. Right. You know, wasn't no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but he called the riots that were happening because of George Floyd and all the things that were going on in the summer. You know, that that was like almost, you know, not almost, but we should investigate why that was happening. And he was right. really high on why that was happening. Because because of the idea of if people of color are doing the same exact act, it's not 
created or is not viewed the same. Right. And I mean, you know, this hurts your heart. All you have to do is think about it. You know, not your heart personally. Yeah. When I say people in general. Sure. And what we're really talking about is that word, ethnocentrism. Yeah. How we were brought up. And I call it what I call it is rule of first law. Yep. All right. So whatever you was, whatever you were taught first, regardless of what it is, or how to bake cookies, or how to, you know, interact with other people, that or whatever your mama told you, mm -hmm. that's what you're going to grab onto. Right. And that's more what so, we, and you're going to believe that until until you're not open, until you can become open enough to believe something else. Right. Well, and that's part of the education of life, right? We go, we have formal education, we have informal education. We have all different contexts in terms of how we grow and stretch the brain. You know, here at Brain Foreplay in, in our podcast, we constantly seek to stretch the schema. The schema is how you organize information in the brain. And when we talk about classism and racism, our viewpoint has been too skewed in life. And that's why I think it's such an important topic to talk about. And so one of the things that brings to my attention that got me going early on in my career, Chris, was when I was a, a, a freshman in college and there was a song out called Rapper's Delight. And it was by Sugar Hill Gang. And it I was playing this song on a boom box. Remember the boom boxes? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. man, I was playing this song <laughs> in a boom box and one of my coaches walks by and he says, RP, he says, what is that shit? Right. What is that shit you're playing? Oh man! And I said, Coach, it's not shit. It's called it's called rap. Oh, and he's rap. like, well, that's that's I've never heard that before. And then the next day, another player walks by playing some country western. I'm crying in my beer. Some some Waylon Jennings shit. And he said, he said, RP. Now that's music. And I said, Whoa, okay. So country westerns music, and to me, my music, Rapper's Delight. You see, I am yeah, Wonder I, Mike, and I'd coming. like to say hello. Hello. Uh, to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, purple and yellow. yellow. But first, I got to bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie set up, chuck the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie, let's rock. You know, that and song. And you don't stop. And you don't stop. And you stop. You know, that song, Thankfully. to my coach, was shit. Like, what is that shit? Because you know what? Uh, real quick. Rap was new. It's like I remember that. It's nineteen percent. It was brand new. Right. He never heard it before, but he knew this. It was eth uh, ethnicity. Eth yeah. I'm, I'm going to get that word. Ethnocentric. He knew that it was something that was people of color. Yeah. That was black folks. Yeah. Okay. He's heard country music before. He's never heard rappers delight. Right. And many people haven't. Right. And so he didn't know how to handle it because it wasn't part of his rule of first law. Right. But but my question at the time was, yes. why did he call mine, what the hell is that shit, versus country, country western, which he knew. And it was because of his ignorance. Now, the root word of ignorance, people, is ignore. And he didn't have enough information to say, okay, let, let me be open to this kind of music. But here's the question that I walked away with, Chris. It made me wonder, as my linebacker coach, did he coach me differently than he coached the kid that he says, now that's music? Because culturally, they were congruent. They were very similar. And, you know, the way they talk, the way they walk, their cultural practices and norms. Were, did he, and that was just my question, did he treat me differently? And there were times throughout my career even when I was a rookie with the Broncos in 1983, I got to be really honest. You know, I, I, I was different than anybody among all of our linebackers. You know how I was different? Okay, I could give you a lot of reasons. <laughs> I was the only brown player. Okay. There were black players, there were white players. But I was the only brown player. You know, in 1983, count the, count the Latinos in the league. I think we're talking about Anthony Munoz. Mm -hmm. I think we're talking about Pete Rodriguez, the punter at Seattle. I think that's pretty close to it. We don't really count punters. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. Really hey, that was we Chris Brewer who really, said that. We don't really count punters. Punters and kickers. Hey. But the Bucky, Bucky, if Bucky's listening, Bucky Dilts. I love you, Bucky. Bucky's my buddy. Bucky's my boy. Yeah, okay. Good call for But anyway, Bucky, yeah, I'm just joking. Last I checked, kickers can win games for you, brother. Yeah. But anyway, so for me, 
for me as a Brown player, I felt all alone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And some people might say, oh, well, come on. It's football. You just strap it up and let's go. That's true. But culturally, true. culturally, I felt a disconnect. I felt that in college when I had college coaches walk up to me and said, RP, what are you? What are you? And I said, what am I? I'm an outside linebacker coach. What do you mean, what am I? You know? And he's like, well, are you Hawaiian? Are you Asian? What are you? Yeah, Filipino? I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Latin. I'm Italian. I'm a little bit Native American, you know? Yeah. But, but the question was, you're not white. You're not black. So what are you? And that question resonated in my brain. And I thought, I was other. I was different. I was other. So for me, I always felt that disconnect. And 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 I'll and I'll say this, because I want to turn this over to you, because I love your perspective, is especially your vision now and what you do in your life. But when even I was at George Washington, I don't know if you if you remember this, but George Washington was largely a high population of Jewish and a high population of black. And after our games on Friday nights, on Saturdays, I would switch. We call it code switching. I would switch. You know, one weekend, I'd go hang out with the white dudes. And the next weekend, I'd go hang out with the brothers. We'd go up to Park Hill and hang out. But I got to tell you this. As a brown player, maybe one of the only, well, I think I was the only one at George that was brown. Mm -hmm. When I was with the white dudes, they would tell me things that they wouldn't say in front of the brothers. Right. And then when I was with the brothers, they would tell me things that they wouldn't say in front of the white dudes. Mm -hmm. And I can remember going home and telling my mom, I'm like, mom, this world is hypocritical. Because we're like, when we're all together, we're dapping up. What's up, brother? What's up? We love each other. Everybody's hugging and everything. And then when we get to our separate sides of the city, the white dudes are like, oh, man, that dude. Da, 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 da. What? You were just hugging him. 10 minutes ago. Right. Yeah, but you know, they did da, 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 da. No, I don't know. Then I go to the other side, Park Hill, where I'm with the brothers. Man, you know, those, those peckerwoods, those crackers, da, da. What? We were just... So to me, it's, that wasn't racism, though, Chris. It was ethnocentrism. And what that means is, let me define it. Ethnocentrism means that you're centric to your cultural practices and norms, your music, your food, your, your vibe, your cars, the way you talk, your vernacular, it's specific to your cultural norm. And it doesn't mean that you don't like other ethnicities and races. It just means you vibe and groove with what you were raised with. And only if, and I repeat this, people, only if we seek out diversity in our life, only if we seek out diversity in our life, we will not stretch that schema in the brain to become diverse. And I got to tell you this. I have a friend here that got recruited by CU, by CSU, here in Colorado. And he purposely chose to go in the South, in the SEC, because he wanted something different. And he's a white dude. And I, I applaud that. Mm -hmm. I applaud that because he's like, bro, I didn't want to go to CU and see all the same dudes I went to high school with. I wanted to go to LSU where it's the South. It's different. It's different. You know, there's, there's girls that are brown, black, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. that I could stretch myself. And I love that, Chris, because being somebody that was in the middle, I call myself the lone wolf. Being somebody that was in the middle, I wasn't black or white, I had to learn to straddle. And I had to learn skills. I learned how to code switch. I could talk like this, I say, if I want to go into the hood, and I could talk like this because, you know, I have to go to 7-Eleven to get a Slurpee, I say, you know. And also my brother, my brother's on the wrestling team too, you know. So if I can talk like that. I can right. talk like, hi, Jim, good to see you. How are the kids? Super, super. The Volvo friend good? Yeah, the Volvo's great. The minivan, outstanding. Say hi to Bartha for me. Outstanding. I said, what up, bro? What up, dog? How we right. doing, bro? We good? Yeah. Yeah. We good? Right. Okay, cool. We good. You know You know what I'm saying, Gene? So, so for me, I could switch because I had to. I had to, Chris. I had to fit in. Because if I wanted to be this in high school, bro, there wasn't any more of us, you know? 
Right. It was just me. It was just me and the janitor, you know? We just chilled, you know? You said that, not me. <laughs> hey, my dad was a janitor for a time. I have no, no, I had no shame about that. No, no, no. We went from a third grade education. It's an honorable living. Yeah, we went from a third grade education. My dad had to quit school in third grade to work on the farm to a PhD in one generation. I'm absolutely proud of that. Wow. Yeah, right? Wow. Right? Wow. See, so your dad was limited in his options. And, and now you're unlimited in your <laughs> options in one generation. And your children are super, super unlimited. Absolutely. And they're, and they're, you know, what they want to do, how yeah. they want to dream. Yeah. You said so much. I don't even know where to begin. You said so much. I mean, rich, good stuff. I don't even know. But let me just start with this about your coaches. Yeah. That is why that the league can be 80%, close to 80% black in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And NBA doesn't have this problem. But the NFL definitely has this problem as far as players are concerned. And then have 10% or token black guy on the coaching staff mm -hmm. because they because that's the people they hang around. And their what their their culture. Mm -hmm. See, culture culture is so different than racism, yeah. because the culture culture to me is like uh, I'm looking in the room, and our, our and a lot of people out there in the audience they won't know what it's like to smell burning hair on a Sunday morning because your mm -hmm. your 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 sister or your mom is pressing their hair, yes. and it's something that they you you don't experience unless you experience this. That's Part of my culture, yeah, right. But that's that's culture. Mm -hmm. But racism is because you went to the the Seven Eleven. I don't think <laughs> I can even say it because you talk that way. Racism would be, I won't give you a job because or I won't let you live in my neighborhood because of how you talk mm -hmm. and what color your skin is. Mm -hmm. That's racism. Mm -hmm. That's actually illegal. That's why it's such a powerful word. And then some people, and it, it really, I don't think it's ever happened to me because I'm just not that dude, try to put, that, try to say that I'm racist or try to say another black guy is racist or try to say a brown person is racist when it's almost literally impossible for me to be racist because there's nothing that I have that I can keep you from. Mm. This is America. America is based on what has been going on for 400 years. Right. And yeah. so, so it's not like that, 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 that brown people or people of color had any control, even women. So we're talking about sexism. They didn't have control. If you weren't a landowner, if you weren't white and a landowner, you couldn't vote. So you mm -hmm. weren't representative. You weren't, you weren't represent, you didn't have representation right. in our society as mm -hmm. far as government is concerned. Mm -hmm. We're turning. We're slowly turning. Mm -hmm. Because it's your proof process that it's turning Dr. Rick Perea. I mean, you know, which is, you know, it's not funny to me. I'm, I mean, I love my brother. My brother's a doctor. You know, I mean, I, you know, that, that we're on this air. It is kind of that, funny, that, though. That it, that it changed. It's, it's changing so quick. Yeah. That's going to come to, I'm going to say something a little, little bit controversial. Hey, but that's okay. There's, there's going to come a time. You know what? In the near future that guns will be outlawed in America. Mm. At least the high-powered guns. Yeah. The high-powered rifle, because my father hunted, your father probably hunted with being on a farm. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a generation who that's how they fed their family. Right. But high-powered weapons because of what kids are going to have to go through, you know, ducking cover drills and all these, mm -hmm. you know, active shooter drills that they have to go through. When they get an age, there's going to be many of them says, oh, I'm not putting my kid through that. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen to my yeah. son. That's yeah. not going to happen to my daughter. Where they have to do that because there's a lot of societies. Australia is one of them. Sweden, uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, okay. there's a lot of societies that don't have the issues that we have when it comes to gun control. I don't know if that's part of what we're <laughs> talking about, but I'm using I'm using that as an analogy of how things can change. It looks like it's changing real slow, and then all of a sudden, boom, mm -hmm. it just changes. All of a sudden. You know, you're you're the you're the lone wolf. Yeah, lone wolf. And at George Washington. Yeah. Which you know gave you a lot of opportunities too. Oh yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Come on. I mean, I don't want to say too much because absolutely you can date. Yeah. Easily. <laughs> yeah. 
He was saying, oh, anyway, that's a, whole, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But it gave you a lot of opportunities also. Mm -hmm. But then, but as, but as far as who you are as a person, as far as what your goals were, as far as how you uh, lifted yourself, you know, you know, I, I'll say yeah. lifted yourself as far as your education is concerned, that thing is turning quick. Sure. Like, sure. boom. Yeah. You know, like my, my, my mother, we talked about it. Uh, before my mother was a maid at, at times, my mom, my, you know, to support the family. Sure. And now my daughter, my youngest daughter, wants to be a photographer. My mom never had that dream. Right. This, I mean, if she had the dream, there's nothing that she could react. There was no opportunity. The opportunities were few and far in between right. for her coming from Mount Pleasant, Texas, to become a photographer. Yeah. So you know, things are changing. Yeah. And and and, and the ethnocentric part of us has to be open enough to see the change. Right. You know, one of the things, and I appreciate those perspectives, Chris Brewer. By the way, on Brain Foreplay, we always aim to stretch your schema. That's how you organize information in your brain. That's why I have my brain here. I have two brains. That's just one of them. There's one in here, but I switch them I out. I trust that one. I, yeah, that's, no. this, is, this, is, <laughs> no. this is the, the law-abiding one. Yeah. So, so <laughs> here's I want to understand. So in 2015 into February 16, I was the psychologist for the Denver Broncos. We won the Super Bowl. Mm. I get hired by Adam Gates to go down, and co go down and coach from the neck up for sure. I get hired to be the team psychologist for the Miami Dolphins 2016 through 17, 18, up until 19. Um, <clears throat> let me tell you about something that happened in the locker room for me there. It's another example that a lot of players talk about because as we get forward, we've got to get better, not only in pro sports, but in society at large of what we call covert racism, covert ethnocentrism. It's buried. It's buried underneath the surface. We, it's not over, open. We don't see it, but it's there. So I'm, I'm, I get hired by the Miami Dolphins. I'm there for two days. I'm getting settled in my office. Uh, Adam Gase had not introduced, bless you, Adam Gase, that's my brother. Um, he had not introduced me to the staff yet, so I was in the coach's locker room, getting my locker all set up. A couple assistant coaches come in. I think they knew me just from, from Adam describing and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they come up and introduce themselves. They're like, what's up, Doc? I'm Coach So-and-so, Coach So-and-so. I said, what's up, guys? And they said, hey, man, anything we can do to welcome you here, cool. He says, but let me tell you something. You're going to love it in this building. I'm like, cool. I'm excited, right? Okay. And he says, but you're going to hate it out there. Got the Miami Dolphins. You still are. I'm repping today. Right, you're repping today. Repping today. I just right. came from the gym. So. Yeah. But, but I, he, he says, you're going to hate it out there. And I said, what do you mean? He says, Fort Lauderdale, Miami. He meant you walk into a drugstore and... It's like a third world country. You're going to, people with an accent, you can't understand them. They don't speak English. Half of the messages are in Spanish and in English. And I'm like, hmm. And, he, and I just let him go on and on for about 10 minutes. And I says, fellas, let me tell you something. Two things. Number one, that's why I came to South Florida, because of the diversity, because of the Cuban, the Puerto Ricans, the Latinas, all of that stuff. Right. And I'm Latino. They got real quiet. And they're like, oh, and I says, you know what? It's good. It's good. That was not racism. Okay? That's ethnocentrism. They were centric to their viewpoint. So they're not used to hearing an accent of someone working behind the counter. For me, Chris Brewer, for me, I hear that accent, it's beauty. Right. It's beauty because it's diversity. And whether they're from Honduras or Jamaica or you know, I'd like to live in America, Puerto Rico, whatever right, 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 it is. Right, 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 right. It's beauty. Sharks in the dips. You know, my sons, my sons went to schools down there that were so diverse. I mean, remember the lone wolf? Right. I was the only brown. Right. Now they're going to schools where brown abounds. <laughs> brown abounds. And I'm like, Brown, brown's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And and the cool thing is from different countries. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So those coaches were just postulating what they knew. Right. In their ethnocentric viewpoints to what they were raised with. Right. And so for me, the challenge, the question comes back to like we said at the intro. Are you willing to look at yourself, people? Are you willing to challenge yourself and say, how am I ethnocentric to the viewpoint that 
I'm homogeneic, and homogeny means everything's the same. And you and I know mm. you can walk into neighborhoods in mm. Denver, Colorado, and all the houses look alike. The people look alike. They all drive minivans and Volvos, right? I mean, it's so similar. It's so homogenous. It's right. so homogenous that to me it's suffocating. Don't don't leave out the Subarus. The Su oh gosh, don't get me started with Subarus. <laughs> Colorado and Subaru? Yeah. Bro, anyway. We lived in South Florida for three years. I don't think we saw one Subaru. Okay. I'm, I'm being straight up. Yeah, no, why? You know what why? I'm saying? Why? <laughs> why? Why? why would they sell Subaru in South Florida? But you know, we saw Lambos and you know Ferraris and all that. But and Bugattis. I didn't even know what a Bugatti was until yeah. I went to South Florida. Yeah. But my point is people we've got to understand that when we seek diversity in our schools in our neighborhoods we can only grow and learn you know a sobering question i asked a real estate agent here about 15 years ago i said i want a, a house in this price point diverse schools and diverse neighborhoods and she looked at me in the eye she said doesn't exist i can get you diverse schools and not call out i can get you diverse schools I can get you a diverse neighborhood, but not at that price point. Yeah. Or I can get you that price point, and it's not diverse. So we've got to understand that exists in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. I can get that in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. I can get it in South Florida. Okay. I mean, there's a Venezuelan neighborhood in Fort Lauderdale that million-dollar homes. Okay. Oh, okay. But that's homogeneic, too. Yeah. It's only Venezuelans. Right. Here's where we got to get better. We're a salad bowl. And if you look at a salad, a crouton is still a crouton. Tomato is still a tomato. A piece of lettuce is still a piece of lettuce. It's all in the same bowl, but it's a salad. Mm -hmm. That's what's here in Colorado. Because, yeah. you know, brown lives here, white lives here, and black lives over here. In general. In general. But in South Florida, it's a fondue. Okay. It's a fondue. Now, so There's can, cheese in there. I've heard you say that before. There's beans in there. You, you're going to have to explain There's fondue. A, <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't they don't remember the stick and the heated and how it melts and you put something in the fondue. They don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. I, can, I bet you your son doesn't know what a fondue is unless you told him. A fondue is you put a bunch of ingredients in it. I'm no cook either. Okay. I put a bunch of ingredients, you mix it up, but it, 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 it all becomes one. It's all into each other, and it's so interdependent, we don't know. But at the end of the day, it's delicious. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, say, I know what a fondue is. Yeah, okay. We're the same age. And, and, and so you and I, at the end of the day, we want you're, you're, you're a black man, I'm a brown man, but we're delicious together. Mm -hmm. Because some of our viewpoints are congruent, some of them compete. I would never call another man delicious. <laughs> Well, I, 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 it's that's a whole nother story. story, but we're not that there's see, anything wrong with that. I just personally, but see, I, I'm androgynous for yeah. those of you out there. Look up the word androgyny. Yeah. So for me, I want the fondue. I don't want the yeah, salad. I understand. I, I we have got that. to get better at, at, at mixing with each other, learning each other's cultures, backgrounds, because as I said at the beginning of the show, I'm ethnocentric. There are times, there are times that I will judge people just unconditionally and conditionally without even realizing that. So if I do it, I know other people do it. I study culture for a living. Every step of the way in my PhD program, I studied culture. I mean, my dissertation was how white coaches coach black players. Mm. You notice I didn't even have brown in there. There's you know why I didn't have Brown in there? There's very few. There's not enough to study. Yes, yeah, not. Yeah. Think no, about how sad that no, is. There's people. no case study. Gosh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. That is so sad. When I wanted to study Brown players uh -huh. in pro sports, right? Not enough. Well, in NFL. Well, NBA. Baseball may be different. Yeah. No. There's a, there's there's a but I don't want my sample just in one sport. Right. Of course. Of so course. for me. I studied white coaches and black players. Now, I'm not saying a white coach can't coach a black player, but there are some disconnects. The last example I'll give you okay. is as a psychologist for the Miami Dolphins. I had one of my players walk in my office after practice, close the door and says, Doc, can I share something with you? I said, always, brother. So he sits down and he says, you see me out there dapping it up with my coach? He says, I saw you checking us out. I said, yeah, man. You guys are like, what's up, dog? How you been, man? And I'm assuming one's black and one's white. Yes, okay. coach is white, player is black. Okay. And he says, man, 
He says, what you saw out there, it's all window dressing. Mm -hmm. I said, what you mean? He says, I got to do that. I said, why? He says, because if I don't do that and try and connect with my coach, I may not get playing time. And I have to fit into his world. But you know what? He don't know a damn thing about me. He don't know a damn thing about my culture. He don't know where I'm from. He don't know the music I like. He don't know any of that. All he does is shake his head when I drive in the parking lot and he hears me bumping my music. Right. And what's he shaking his head about? Is he, is he shaking his head like grooving with me? Or is he like, wow, what you listening to now? You know? So the point is, even though a lot of relationships look like they're connected on the outside, deep within us, there is a disconnect culturally if people are being honest. And when they come in my office and they're they're honest, because there's there's no there's no external validation in my office. All there is is internal validation of being honest to who you are. And when they come in and they're core honest and say, man, that dude doesn't understand me. He doesn't know a thing about me. Then we have got to look at ourselves and get better at the way we converse. Because I can tell you this, when we moved to South Florida and my sons went from playing on all white teams to all black teams, it, it was beauty. Mm -hmm. It was pure beauty. I never had so much fun as a parent as with my son's football teams in South Florida. Amen. Never had so much fun. Amen. Amen. And when we came back to Denver, it was like a culture shock. And I'm not saying black's better than white, white's better than black. It's different. And when you're brown and in the middle, you got to learn to navigate. That's why I can code switch. I can talk like this. Hi, Jim. Good to see you. How are the kids? Or I can talk like this. Right. Or I can say, what up, dog? How we doing, bro? We good? We good? We good? Well, that's, that's, good? What, that's what makes you who you are. The sad part the code of that switching? Is, no, the, but, no, and able to relate. That's what I really meant. Because the sad part of what you said from the beginning was the coaches came to you in Miami and they were they felt open enough to tell you about the culture out there yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Because and the reason they said that was because you had doctor in front of your name. They didn't really realize that you were a brown man. They just thought you were a white dude with a good tan. They didn't realize you as you know, you was like, okay, man, what, he only he just got to Florida. Look at his tan. Well, I didn't realize I was a Cholo from from uh, yeah, from Gardena, I right? I was no. a fucking gang member, bro. You know, right? But but they felt comfortable enough to try to tell you about something that you already knew about that you mm -hmm. were looking forward to because they thought you were yeah. because of the DR in front of your name and yeah. your credentials. They thought, well, maybe he's just a you know a white dude, right? That's what they, that was their perspective. A white dude with a good tan. With a good tan. <laughs> you know, something like that. And they didn't know that was his good melon. Anyway, that's, and that's the thing, that's, that's who makes you, you. Because now you can, you're approachable. So when they walked, when anybody walked into your office, they knew they were, they were able to be themselves mm -hmm. and, and say what they needed to say. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make this about me, but see, that's what I always thought. Maybe because of the way I grew up, that I was already equal, you yeah. know. So yeah. I mean, so I had issues with coaches because I thought, you know, especially white coaches, because I thought I was equal to those coaches. Mm -hmm. I thought, I mean, as men or as as we're in this together, yeah, you yeah. know. And the coach would say something to me, and I would say, "But why do you have to talk to me that way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. why do you have to? You know, you don't you didn't have to degrade me, right? You know, I, I'll listen, I'll do whatever, I'll read to." I'll run through that wall and won't even count the bricks. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, you just, you, but you don't have to degrade me. But, but, yeah. but, so you were talking about how coaches coach, and that's probably part of your study, how white coaches coach black players, because there's a, there's a big gap in saying that we have to, you got to yell and scream and whatever, you got to get through them. Say, no, I, that's not how I grew up. I grew right. up, I grew up, I grew up at a high school, you know, I got because of busing. You know, for better or worse, because of busing, I grew up around Jewish guys, and I grew up around my my, my neighborhood guys. Mm -hmm. So I had I had a mixed culture, which I totally love, which which allows me to really understand that ethnocentrism of life, mm -hmm. and and understanding 
how we how we get how we got here and where we got to go. Yeah. Yeah, and you know one of the things I think is beautiful about you, Chris, is you know off camera we were talking. He's like, man, I love country western. I love country. I love country western. And love that's, it. And that's beautiful. I love that. I love that we are at an age where now we can help people stop and check themselves. The checkup from the neck up at brain foreplay here, we always want you to think. We always want you to examine your processes because if you don't, you will not grow in this lifetime. You have to leave your comfort zone emotionally and psychologically, people, to get better. And the last example I'm gonna give is with the Denver Nuggets here in town and just how subtle ethnocentrism be, can be. One day, it was when Kenyon Martin played here. Remember Kmart? Kmart was my dog. Kmart. That was my guy. Right. Kmart uh, was playing here, and I was talking to my then brother-in-law. And I said, you know, um, I'm going to go check out the Nuggets. Allen Iverson, Kmart, all those dudes. And he goes, why would you want to go watch the Thuggets? And I said, what? And he goes, you know, the Thuggets. One of the nicest teams in the league. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and he goes, he goes, man, he goes, Kenyon Martin's got tattoos from his neck all the way down. And Allen Iverson. AI. And, right. and I'm like, oh, yeah. dang, the Thuggets. Right. 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 And I remember walking away from that saying, whoa, I, that wouldn't even been a thought process for me. Right. Because, right? I mean, I don't do them. All right. Never view the Nuggets as no. thugs. No. Right. And you know, last team in the league. And here I am. I'm I'm a doctor, and I got tattoos, right? right. Does that make me a thug? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but but fast forward, there was a player who played for the Nuggets named Birdman. Yeah. Well, that was his nickname. What was it? What was it? What was his? What was his name? Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Chris Anderson. Yeah, and Birdman, right? So, but Birdman is is a Caucasian. Mm-hmm. He had attached, <laughs> I think, every inch of his body. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but, but from what I can but, see, but, yeah, from what you can see, he had tats. But we never referred to Chris or Birdman as a thugget. No. You know, he was or always, or he was just always that cool kid. Or a tough guy. Yeah. yeah, you know, if anything, he was a tough guy. An enforcer. He's an enforcer. He's a tough guy, but he's never a thug. Never a thug. Right. So my question that's cold. is. That's cold. If you ask, if yeah. you really go deeper into it. Oh, yeah. That thug part. So, so my question is, and people, let me just emphasize this again. We're not making accusations. We're not making assertions. We're asking questions here. Mm-hmm. So my question becomes, and I mean it, it's an open-ended question. Did we refer to Kenyon Martin and AI as the thugget for what reason versus Chris Anderson Birdman as just a cool dude who had tats and big trucks? They were thuggets. They were thuggets because they were black. Come on. Come on, man. Well, that's my belief. But I want everyone out there to okay. I don't want I don't want to railroad people. I just want them to ask themselves, think about it in their brain. Okay. Okay. Think about really what's the difference there? Mm-hmm. Why why do we label people? And you know, you brought up an amazing point a few weeks ago. We were talking, and you said you talk talk about the fights in hockey versus if there were fights like that in the NBA with black men, they would ban it. They would ban, ban the sport. They would ban the sport. They would say the NBA is a violent <laughs> sport. And they if they let two it. black men fight at center court and let them go. They like they do in hockey. This so here's the question, people. Again, question, question. It's not exclamation point. It's question. Yeah. What's the difference there? Why are why are two white men allowed to fight on the ice with people banging on the walls on the on the boards, mm-hmm. encouraging it? Right. But in the NBA, if you have a fight, it becomes a melee. It's <laughs> It's labeled. Can, can I just interject? interject sure. This? Sure. We, we talked about uh, we talked about Carmela Anthony. Yeah. For a hot second. Yeah. Carmela Anthony was upset about what a player said about his wife. This I'm, I'm just going by the story. Yeah. Uh, when he was at the Knicks, mm-hmm. Carmelo was waiting outside the bus of that that player, you know, to get mm-hmm. off the bus. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Whoa. 
He was waiting outside the bus. It, we thought that, you know, that, that, that World War III broke out. And all he was doing was waiting outside the bus yeah. if they were going to fight or not. Yeah. There was no blows taken. There was no blows taken because he said what the player said about his wife was really bad. What he said about the, the, the fight didn't start there. Should have started. Yeah. But it, there was no fight. Right. It was never a fight. But it yeah. was a big deal at the time. Yeah. And so, you know, to relate that to how we view things, if, if, and hockey players get in fights all the time. And I'm just going to tell you, I love the Avalanche. I love what they represent as far as Colorado is concerned. But I'm not, a, I'm not a pro hockey fan. Love DU hockey. Love Arizona hockey. I'm not a pro hockey fan. Because of that, I just I can't I can't embrace it. I can't understand it, and so so I have a different perspective. But there, but what you're trying to do is open up people's minds and says, okay, why do I think that's okay? Why do I think it's okay right. for two guys just to fight in the middle? And it really it has something to do with the game, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the game. And if I saw two black guys in basketball fight the same way, because they all <laughs> basketball used to be on tape delay in the NBA because it just wasn't you know. They, they couldn't take the violence of what they, the perceived violence. And it was rough, but they couldn't take the perceived violence. And it's just, I, I, I really under, starting to understand that thought process of what you're trying to bring out. Yeah. And, 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 and all of us, we've, we've got Misty in the room. Mm-hmm. All right. She Misty told Rose Goals. Yes. She International Life. I got to get your book too, but before any, any time, I can't wait to read it. She told us to face the darkness. Mm. Face the dark. Let's mm. let's bring the darkness out. Let's face the darkness. It's in all of us because mm-hmm. we're just we're human beings, and we're here by grace. Let's face the darkness so that we can understand, attack, get rid of whatever we need to do. Let's face the darkness, and then the darkness doesn't start. Don't face your darkness. I want to face. I'm not, I'm not saying because I'm black. <laughs> face my darkness, but I got to face the. Uh, I got to face the darkness that's in me and then bring that out. So you know why? Because light overcomes darkness. Every single time, a single match can brighten up a whole room. There you have it, people. Mr. Chris Brewer, <clears throat> former Denver Bronco, Chicago Bear, all-time great teammate. father, teammate, great father, husband. Um, I'm Dr. Rick Perea from Brain Foreplay. Um, I, I want to end by saying this. You know, we have we have a little bit of a gallery here. And it's like United Nations. We got Caucasian. We got inner biracial, triracial. That's gonna be the next show. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. that are, yeah, they are, that's in that in that category. We got my brother Jesse, Latino, in, over here. Um, you, a black man, me, a Latino, um, Native American. But I want to say this. I want to end by saying this: that we have more of these shows to come. We're gonna talk. We didn't really get to talk, touch on classism. And, and, and some other isms that we want to discuss. But I will say this. I love white people. I have so many white coaches that really did went the extra mile for me in high school, college, in the NFL, all the way to Dan Reeves, who passed away recently. Um, Coach Reeves told me something that inspired me really my whole life. Um, I had so many black coaches that, <laughs> gosh, did so much for me. Coach Tarver at George Washington High School um, basically saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, so many coaches. But I am, I am sad to say this one thing. I didn't have one brown coach, Chris. I did not have one brown coach along the way. And that's okay. That's okay. I'm not complaining. But the next generation, my sons, your kids, hopefully will be exposed to more coaches that are brown. And not because they're better or worse or anything. Because it's divergent. And they bring something different. Yes. Because of their, yes. how they were raised and what they've been yes. around. Yes. Yeah. You know, I got to applaud Dave Logan here. He's a local head coach of my son's team at Cherry Creek High School. And um, his staff is very diverse. And he hired a woman to be the head freshman coach. Okay. And I didn't I'm, know that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Last year, she was her first year. And he, yeah. he hired a woman to be the head uh, freshman coach. And Coach Logan is always searching for diversity. You know, I, you brought him up, so I got his. I've known uh, Dave since he was in high school. Yeah. You know why? Because he he, he went to school in high school in Wheat Ridge. Right. But Wheat Ridge Farmer. That's what they were the Wheat, <laughs> Wheat Ridge the farmers. farmers. But he Dave would come down to the hood. 
Yeah. And play basketball against my older cousins. Yeah. yeah I remember him in that old Vega that he used to drive. So I, I'll go back with Dave. But see, Dave was already exposing himself yeah. to diversity. He didn't stay in mm-hmm. Wheatbridge. Mm-hmm. He was a, exposed himself to diversity, which now it even now that I just found out, it's exposing himself to he's he's opening up to whoever mm-hmm. the best possible. Right. Wow. And that's what he's doing as All a right. coach at the high school level, is he's he's giving the kids diversity in what we call the pedagogical delivery system. That's the coaching delivery. Yeah, you and these words. Hey, man. <laughs> you know, a PhD, you know what a PhD stands for? Uh-uh. Piled high and deeper. There you go. And so I got deeper, I got words, I got yeah. four syllable, five syllable Say that words. word again, I love that word. Pedagogical delivery system. I had system. no idea what that means. It means how you coach, oh. how you teach. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a different pedagogy. Oh, okay. And it's called pedagogical that's delivery system. That's why we need more brown. That's why we need more Brown, because yeah. we need divergent pedagogical delivery systems. Because if we only have one dominant pedagogical delivery system, then we don't stretch the brain. This brain stays, the neuroplasticity wow. stays like this. But if I got brown, wow. if I got black, if I got white, that brain is exploding. Wow. It's exploding with new ideas, creativity, and then we go like this when we are exposed to differences. And that's that's the key. But I just you know I just want to say, I love all people. I want us to come together. That's why I'm willing to make people a little uncomfortable by these topics and stretch us a little bit. Um, I, I just want to give a shout out. Last night I was on Sandy Clough's show, and um, I just you know I can't say enough about Sandy Clough. He lost his son three four years ago to to suicide, and Sandy continues to be a, a light and an ambassador for people that are experiencing it. And you and I have a very dear friend that lost a daughter recently. And I just, I got to tell people, man, love one another. Check on people that need checking on, but also check on people that don't need checking on. We always think that it's the ones that are struggling. Oftentimes the ones that are struggling overtly, they're expressing themselves. It's the ones that keep it in, that quote unquote have life all together. Check on them too, because you never know. Chris Brewer, I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. Love you too. To everyone here, Misty Rose Gold, you got you to read her book. You got to hear her stuff. She coaches from a love perspective. It's, it's, it's just energy. To my son over here, Drake, Drakey, Akey, Drakey, that's my dude. And to Jesse, our engineer brother, man, keep doing what you're doing, bro. You're, you're changing. You're moving the needle. Check us out every week on Brain Foreplay. Get your checkup from the neck up. We love you, trust you, and believe in you. Thank you for tuning in to Brain Foreplay. Don't forget to join us next week. Same place, same time to get your checkup from the NECA. Fortified by Foreplay. That's Brain Foreplay. Please remember to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your podcasts.